this morning. Father, we do pray for this uh, gentleman who is um, blaspheming your name, Lord, that you would open his eyes, you would have mercy on him, such that he would bless your name, Lord. Uh, and when that happens, we know that you get great glory for yourself. And so we pray that you would turn this gentleman's heart. Uh, pray just uh, even for Patricia that she would have further opportunities um, uh, with this particular fellow. Um, pray for Jeffrey with uh, this uh, uh, fellow that he was talking with that was very open. Lord, just pray for further opportunities there to, to proclaim the gospel. Lord, we pray for um, just... Uh, just thank you for the opportunities to go to things like Christian weddings and where the gospel is shared and to um, to be amongst believers and ref how refreshing that is. We thank you for that. Uh, Lord, pray for just uh, the f um, person I was able to share with. Pray that there would be further opportunities and, Lord, that you would work in this person's heart in a massive way. Um, Lord, we pray for that. Lord, we pray now as we think about your character um, and about this particular attribute of your hesed. Lord, that you would help us to um, honor you as you deserve, to understand it, um, to understand you better so that we love you better and more deeply. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, so we're going to pick back up and talk about God's um, hesed. That's what we were doing two weeks ago. Um, just to remind us, let's go back to Exodus 34, uh, verses 6 and 7, which is kind of the list uh, where God is proclaiming his own name, uh, what he attaches to his own name. And so it's a worthy list to work through because this is what God um, proclaims is attached to his personal name. And we see this, this kind of list uh, referenced throughout the Old Testament. So Exodus 34, verse 6, uh, the, the Lord, Yahweh passed before him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. So we're kind of on that term, um, abounding or great of hesed and faithfulness. We already talked about the idea of faithfulness because really uh, the idea of faithfulness is embedded in the idea of hesed. So this is a figure of speech where they're kind of coupled together, even though one is embedded in the other to kind of amplify um, the idea. Um, and so we talked about faithfulness already, uh, but then the last time we were talking about God's attributes, we were talking about God's hesed. And um, just to remind you, just of the basic concept, basically if you look at, uh, others have done all this study, but uh, pulling it together, basically hesed is... Um, you could, you could kind of think about it as something like loyal kindness. So it's not just an attitude, but it's also in general an action, which kind of our English word kindness gets at that, where you can be kind and you can have an attitude of kindness, but usually kindness launches right into an action. And the idea of commitment or faithfulness, faithful commitment, is embedded in this kind of word or concept. And so that's why we go with the idea of loyal kindness, or committed kindness, um, and really this is um, the sort of attitude and action that's oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes the basis for a covenant. And so you'll strongly see this concept connected with a covenant being made between God and, and others, or even between humans. 
in the case of some uh, people like um, David and Jonathan. Uh, and what we did last time is just to try to illustrate what does this look like? What does it feel like? What, what is it, what is, how does steadfast love or committed kindness, loyal kindness, how does that manifest itself? And we just spent the last time looking at Psalm 107, which we're not going there, but uh, just walking through. It gives you illustration after illustration, whether people who know the Lord and they're wandering in the wilderness and God shows them loyal kindness by rescuing them. Or maybe even people who are sinful or foolish, and then they cry out to God, and God shows his loyal kindness, and he, he, he rescues them, whether that's, uh, there was the scene of being on the sea, or there was the scene of being in prison, um, and the rescue uh, is attributed to God's uh, committed kindness. Uh, so now what we're going to do is just kind of go through and sample a few other passages that, again, give us a sense of God's loyal kindness. Uh, go to Genesis 24. Genesis 24. In Genesis 24, we meet up with Abraham's uh, servant, his slave, uh, a high-ranking slave, that he sends to go find a wife for Isaac. Um, so he goes back to um, Mesopotamia, and um, we're going to pick it up in, in 2412. Uh, and let's read 24, Genesis 24, 12 through 14. When someone has that, they can go and read it. And we know what happens. That's exactly what happens. But then in the rest of the chapter, this concept of why did it happen? Like, why, why, did the, why was the servant able to find um, uh, this wife for Isaac so quickly? And then she's like ready to go basically same day to go back. I mean, that's just astounding. And what it's all attributed to in the chapter is God's uh, committed kindness, his loyal kindness. To who? To Abraham, right? Because why? Because God has a covenant with Abraham. Uh, in fact, a particular promise of uh, providing for um, offspring uh, through Abraham's line, and particularly through Isaac. Well, that means that Isaac's got to get married, right? And so that idea, though, of like this amazing situation that happens is attributed to God's loyal kindness. So it's very concrete. Um, yes, it's an attitude on the part of God, right? But it, it manifests itself in very practical action, okay? Any other uh, just insights or observations uh, on this particular passage? Okay, fast forward to Exodus 15. And again, I'm just giving you samples of what does it look like on the part of God to exercise loyal kindness. Now, Exodus 15 is after... Um, coming out of Egypt, and it's right after what God does at the, the Reed Sea. 
in um, rescuing Israel. And so in Exodus 15, you get what's called the Song of Moses, which is a celebration. It basically recounts what already happened in narrative form in the previous chapter. And it just reflects in a, in a way that is praising God. Um, but in the middle of this, um, look at Exodus 15, uh, 13. So I'm going to go ahead and read that. Very good. So, um, where is God's um, loyal kindness manifest here? How is it described? Yeah, it's to his redeemed people, so it's to the people of Israel, uh, or at least even the foreigners who have also committed um, to Israel. Um, okay, but how is, how is God's loyal kindness manifested? What does it look like? Yeah, leading, and where is he leading them? Which means what? Where? Nope. Mount Sinai, right? So it's in a sense, it's where heaven meets earth, right? So if you think about that in terms of like the sanctuary or the temple, it's like where where heaven meets um, earth, where God walks with humanity. So most immediately, it would be Mount Sinai. Um, but then even by extension, what we'll see in the Pentateuch is God saying, hey, I'm going to put a place for my name. And that ultimately ends up being on Mount Zion in, in Jerusalem, right? But that's, that's part of the whole storyline of Scripture is let's, let's lead, um, God's leading his people, he's redeeming a people, and then he's bringing them to himself uh, in a way that they can meet with him. Uh, so, but God's loyal kindness is manifest in doing that. So let's think about that in the context of what's happened in the Exodus. So how is God's loyal kindness manifested in his leadership in the Exodus? What does that look like? Provision, protection, uh, plagues, like devastating plagues is God's loyal kindness to Israel, right? Um, and that's, that's the point, is that Israel has a covenant relationship with God, and so it's loyal kindness to Israel, even while it's devastation to um, th that people's enemies. Or even like what we just saw with the Reed Sea, it means leading a people through the Reed Sea, pushing the waters back, but then the people who's trying to follow through, right, the enemies, like, they get drowned. Um, and, uh, but that's an aspect of God's loyal kindness to his people, right? It's directed to his covenant people. Um, and that's the idea. Any questions on that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who's it manifested towards? It's manifested, to, it's manifested towards God's people and the people he's redeemed. Okay, uh, let's fast forward to Deuteronomy. Uh, Deuteronomy 7. And Deuteronomy 7, we're on the plains of Moab. Um, this is not the Exodus generation, but their children. Uh, right before they want to enter the land promised to Abraham. Um, and in Deuteronomy 7, uh, 7 through 13... You see, 
you see the concept of God's loyal kindness pop up, but it's, this passage is helpful in the ways it's kind of, you see other aspects of God's character and how that relates to his, um, his loyal kindness. So Deuteronomy 7, 7 through 13, someone go ahead and read that. Right, so what do you see? There's a lot of concepts in this section, but we see um, loyal love uh, or steadfast love or loyal kindness, to use the terminology we've been using, pop up a few times. Um, What do you see that God's loyal kindness is connected with? Yes, that is very much true, right? That there's this idea, and and, and this, this... this shows in many aspects of God's loyal kindness. God shows loyal kindness to a people, um, but then there's kind of an expectation that there's going to be a loyalty in return. Uh, and that loyalty is manifested in terms of obedience, right? Now, that doesn't negate that God's the first mover or God's, like, he doesn't have to show loyal kindness, but it does indicate that when he shows that, you know, it's, it's, it's changing a people in such a way that there's supposed to be loyalty back to him. If you think back to Psalm 107 and all those aspects where here are these people, even sinful people and even foolish people, they're in their fix because of what they've done, and yet they cry out to God and he shows them loyal kindness. They, in return, are enjoined to praise God, to give him thanks, um, and then, of course, you know, by extension, uh, to be obedient, right? Uh, and so you see that aspect here. So that's one one thing. There's a sort of reciprocity uh, between God's loyal kindness and the people he shows loyal kindness to. Uh, what else? What else do you see in this passage in connection with God's loyal kindness? Yeah, keeping his covenant, which is, those two are strongly correlated. They're not identical, but... In general, we would say God's loyal kindness is the thing that initiates a covenant. And then once that covenant's there, a covenant really solemnifies commitment um, and the obligations of both parties to one another. Um, And so you see that here. In this case, we said in general that God's loyal kindness is not necessarily strongly correlated with his love. 
Um, although in this case, we do see that where uh, God loves Israel and he chooses them um, to be a people. Uh, and then he shows, because of that commitment, a loyal kindness to them. Okay? Any other? Yeah, Bruce. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And so there's that covenant with the patriarchs, with the Abraham. So there's the Abrahamic covenant operating in the background, and you also see this, right? How 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 to those who love him and keep his commandments, um, how does God demonstrate his loyal kindness? How long? A thousand generations, right? Really long time. And you see that picked up. Uh, Exodus 26, the same thing is said. Um, in fact, it's basically the same thing that's said in Exodus 34, 6 and 7, right? Keeping great of steadfast, uh, great of loyal kindness and faithfulness, keeping loyal kindness. It's either for thousands or for a thousand generations. Um, but the idea is just, uh, it's, it's, it's long and it's broad um, because of God's commitment and his loyal kindness. Yeah, good. Uh, let's see, where do we want to go next? Um, let's go to 2 Samuel 7. So what's kind of fun about this in the passages that we've been sampling is effectively we've been walking through the covenants. So Genesis 24, you've got the Abrahamic covenant. Uh, you know, Exodus 15 and Deuteronomy 7, you've got the Mosaic covenant. Well, 2 Samuel 7 is the Davidic covenant, uh, one of the most important chapters in the Bible. So, um... But what's neat about this, uh, at the beginning, uh, David's like, hey, I want to build a temple for God. God's like, no, your son's going to build it. And then he gives the, the Davidic covenant, the promise of one of his sons reigning on the throne forever, and also that son being a temple builder, et cetera, et cetera. But then David responds with a, a prayer of, uh, oh, it's before the prayer of gratitude. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, so in the middle of God promising to David's offspring um, this covenant, notice what he says, 2 Samuel uh, 7, 15. So I'm going to go ahead and read that. All right, so in verse 15, you see God's loyal kindness again. What's he talking about with his loyal kindness? What's he doing with it? It won't depart from David, but it did depart from who? Saul, which is interesting, isn't it? Because what God is implicitly saying is, hey, I showed loyal kindness to Saul. God actually chose Saul as king. Um, now, the people of Israel wanted the wrong attributes in a king, and God gave them what they wanted, and wanted kind of as a punishment. But he did choose Saul as king, and God is explicitly, implicitly saying here, hey, my loyal kindness was on Saul, but I took it away. Why did he take away from Saul? Saul was disobedient, okay? Now, where is he putting his loyal kindness in this passage? He took it away from Saul, and he's giving it to who? To David and his offspring 
forever. Now let's think about this for a minute. Uh, is David and his offspring, how do they compare with Saul? Not really that different when you consider, like if you consider the totality of like you go through kings and you go through, like at least Saul, Saul never committed idolatry, uh, but um, Solomon sure did, right? And a lot of um, the offspring did. And so what's interesting here is that um, yes, God removed loyal kindness because of disobedience, but he's also, like, his loyal kindness is still backing the Davidic covenant even when, uh, yeah, there's a lot of disobedience. That doesn't mean there's not punishment or things like that, but he's saying it's never going to go away. The loyal kindness is never going to go away. Yeah. Yep. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So that's where you see, like, the strength of, you know, it's, you know, there's a strong correlation because between God's loyal kindness and covenant. But in this case, you see the covenant is basically going to guarantee the loyal kindness, um, I mean, up until we get Christ, right, um, is the idea. So, again, just kind of fleshes out our idea of God's loyal kindness a little bit more. Uh, let's go to Psalm 118. You know, we talk about, like, well, okay, who does God show his loving uh, you know, his loyal kindness to, um, and it's the people he's in covenant with, it's the people he's redeemed. But Psalm 118 is kind of interesting. Um, we get this, this early refrain, and actually this refrain hit, is exposed in many of the, uh, several of the Psalms uh, from, say, like Psalm 110 to 118, but also in other places in the Psalter as well, I believe. But look at Psalm 118, two through four. Now this is interesting because we get an insight into who God shows loyal kindness to. Um, who does he show it to? Israel and Aaron. And there's a covenant with each of those. There's a covenant with Israel called the Mosaic Covenant. There's a covenant with, well, and backed by the Abrahamic Covenant. There's a covenant with Aaron. Um, the, there's a priestly covenant that we don't talk about all that much, but there's a covenant there. Um, and But notice verse 4. Who, who gets... Who gets the experience of God's loyal kindness? Those who fear him, which is a, a, is a way of talking about that. Those who are in a right relationship with God, who give him proper devotion, awe, respect. Um, uh, and, and so here you see kind of the glimpse and the hint that, yeah, God's loyal kindness is for his covenant people, but because of who God is, um, those who trust in God, those who fear God, uh, even if they're outside of the visible, like, um, like you're, maybe you're not necessarily part of Israel, maybe you're a foreigner, um, you think back to some of those cases in 107, just because you're outside of Israel, that doesn't mean you don't get to call upon God's loyal kindness. Now, uh, of course, subsequent to that, we would say, okay, you join God's people, etc. But um, the, the point here is, is that uh, there's hope for foreigners, there's hope for the nations. 
Uh, because it's anyone who would fear God, anyone who would trust God, um, and, and they receive his loyal kindness. Okay, um, let's see here. Let's go to Psalm 51, backing up. Speaking of David, Psalm 51 is uh, David's prayer after he commits adultery with Bathsheba and murders Uriah. Um, so uh, we've got this situation, um, but notice how it opens in Psalm 51.1. Yeah, have, so go ahead and read the whole, 51, whole of 51.1. Good. And so what is, uh, in what way is David calling on God's loyal kindness? To show mercy and to show forgiveness, right? So, uh, and that's, David goes on to basically say, I, I've got nothing. I'm a sinner. Um, yet I am calling on God's character of loyal kindness um, to for forgiveness. Um, now, David has a covenant relationship with God. We just talked about that in 2 Samuel 7. But nonetheless, right, it's that attitude of the one who is uh, a sinner, the one who deserves God's wrath, uh, the one who deserves punishment. We saw this in Psalm 107 again. Um, but when you're looking for forgiveness and mercy, what are you you invoking God's loyal kindness um, for that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he believes that God can do it, and because of God's character, he will do it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, now, this has given us a flavor of God's loyal kindness in the Old Testament. The question is, well, we know we serve the same God between Old Testament and New Testament. There's no drastic, there's no change in God's character between Old Testament and New Testament. So how does this show up in the New Testament? And that is a, a little bit interesting. It does show up, don't worry. Uh, but how to peg it in specific passages is a little bit um, interesting. So what you need to know is that you've got your Hebrew Old Testament, and then between the close of the Old Testament and Jesus' time, the Old Testament gets translated into Greek. And so the Greek translators are going along, and they come across the word hesed. Right? Um, so the Hebrew, the translators from Hebrew to Greek come along and they encounter the word hesed. They translate it with the word elios, which means mercy. Uh, now God's loyal kindness is strongly correlated with his acts of mercy and his mercifulness. So you can kind of see that. Uh, but uh, we know there are, there are situations in the New Testament where it is where God's, it's translated as God's mercy, but really, if we were to trace back um, or see uh, the idea, it's going back to hesed. So when Jesus talks to the Pharisees, he says, I desire, um, uh, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. That's actually going back to a passage in the Old Testament that is translating hesed. So he's really saying, I desire a little kindness 
uh, or loyalty, acts of loyalty, because he's talking about a human there, uh, and, and not sacrifice. So sometimes that shows up. So sometimes in the New Testament, not every time, but sometimes in the New Testament when you see the word mercy, it's actually invoking God's loyal kindness, his hesed. So I'll give you some examples. Go to Luke 1. Uh, Eli, Elias, um, if you were to transliterate it, it would be E-L-E-E-O-S. Um, but go to Luke 1. Basically, in English, you're just going to see it as mercy when it gets translated. But Luke, uh, Luke 1, uh, Luke 1, 50. Uh, now, this is in the middle of Mary praising God for what she has done in the, the uh, virginal conception. Um, and uh, notice... Well, let's just start from verse 46. So, someone read verse 46 through 55. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, Okay, so where do you see the, what we would expect is actually the concept of loyal kindness in Mary's song? There's at least two places. There you go, right? That sounds familiar, right? Because we just talked about how God's uh, loyal kindness is from generation to generation. It's for those who fear him, right? So really... In this context, based on what's being said, um, Mary's probably th more thinking of God's loyal kindness, his hesed. You see it one more time. What verse? Yeah, 54. He helps um, his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. But we, given the context, we're a covenant. Mary's saying, you're being faithful to your covenant with Israel, or your covenants with Israel. Uh, you know, really, uh, Abrahamic... Um, and Davidic especially, um, and so he's remembering his hesed, he's remembering his loyal kindness. So, um, but it's a little more tricky in the New Testament, because they're leaning on the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which translated hesed with mercy, and so then you got to do a little thinking of like, well, is this just kind of your regular old mercy, or is this like mercy plus, like um, uh, um, the... Uh, the loyal kindness of God. And when you've got a covenantal context, 
especially. Or you see language that's like, hey, I know in the Old Testament that's tied to something like loyal kindness. Then you've got a better sense of, oh, okay, that's what's being invoked here. Okay. Uh, questions on that. So, in what way is God's loyal kindness shown in this context? We identified it, but in what way is God's loyal kindness being shown? Yeah. Meaning, what is the fulfillment? Yeah, Jesus, right? So, um, it is God's loyal kindness is what sends Jesus to fulfill those covenants. Um, so, again, it gives us a picture of, like, okay, God's loyal kindness is is not just a simple, oh, like, oh, you're just being kind, you know, kind of like in a, like, we would use the word nice, right? It's not just being nice. Uh, it's, it's, this is, this is, like, big deal kindness um, that um, God is, God is showing to a sinful people, okay? But in, to keep, keep the covenant. Yeah, Bruce. Yeah. Yep. Big salvation act, right? And flip-flopping the, the, the um, uh, what's the word, the values of the, 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 the world, right? You see that happening. Okay, uh, let me show you one. Uh, the, you can also look ahead in the same chapter to Zechariah's prophecy. We're not going to do that, but you would see the same thing. You would see the same thing where Zechariah invokes God's mercy, or it says that you're doing this because of your mercy, and he's seems like he's really invoking the idea of God's um, loyal kindness, okay? Uh, now, let's go to one other place. There, there are places, even since I wrote my notes, there's a couple other places where I've encountered, oh, that's saying mercy, but it's probably talking about God's steadfast love, um, but I didn't write those down, but I will show you one other neat place where it's pretty clear that God's um, hesed is being invoked uh, or mentioned. Go to John 1. What's going on in John 1? Yeah, the introduction of Jesus, his deity, him as the word. Okay, and so, you know, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Now, um, John goes on to reflect on that, but in particular, I want to draw your attention to uh, verse 14. So, uh, go, someone go ahead and read verse 14. Okay. Now, what phrase in there reminds us of Exodus 34? Yeah, and particularly, full of grace and truth, right? Um, it reminds us of Exodus 34, 6, where it is, um, God is abundant in uh, loyal kindness and faithfulness. But here, um, in, um, it, it's described by John as full of grace and truth or truthfulness, okay? Which, if you think of truth, it actually goes along quite closely with the idea of faithfulness, okay? So in this case, it seems like um, it seems like John is saying, well, let's give the translation, he gives the translational equivalent of God's hesed as grace. 
Now, grace, and we talked about how grace and, and steadfast love, if we were to go back to the Old Testament, they're very closely related, but there's some key differences. Um, but if John was saying, well, if we're, we're looking for a word to kind of communicate what, um, um, this idea, let's use grace. Okay, so um, charis in Greek, again, you don't need to know that, but a uh, different word than mercy. But it does seem like he, what is he saying? If he's saying, uh, he's, 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 a, he's re- reminding us of Exodus 34, and he's saying that Jesus, the word made flesh, is full of grace, which seems to be a translational equivalent for God's loyal kindness, and then truth. What is, what is John really saying about Jesus? Yeah, he's not contrasting grace and law. He's actually saying, well, in place of the grace of the law, we get this grace now through Jesus Christ. Uh, sometimes we read that to say, oh, there's a contrast between grace and law, but actually there's not. He's saying there's grace in place of grace um, is the idea. Mm-hmm. Well, and think, so Jesus is described as full of, well, let's just use the Hebrew word, hesed, and truth. What does that mean? Because who is described as being great of hesed and faithfulness in Exodus 34? God is. Yahweh is, right? And so with the triune connection, right, we're seeing Jesus has the same nature as the Father, right? Um, but John is saying in the flesh, he's, he's, he's that same person. He is full of, or he's the same nature, uh, full of, uh, the same character, uh, of God's loyal kindness and faithfulness. Um, and we see that, I mean, Mary reflected on it in her song in Luke one, and now we see John reflecting on kind of the same reality, just described in a different way, with the coming of the Word become flesh. But he's manifesting uh, the same uh, sort of hesed and faithfulness, um, but it is moving on from the Old Covenant now to a New Covenant, right? Grace in place of grace um, is what's happening. So, so it does show up in the New Testament. Um, it's just harder to... It's not used, it's the same a translational equivalent in English isn't used, so it's harder to see and pick up on. But um, it does show up. Any questions on God's hesed? Okay, so let's think applicationally. Uh, what does this do? So we know God is a God great of loyal kindness. So how should that change our lives?
So first, we see through Jesus and through the gospel God's loyal kindness. So we recognize that we have received God's loyal kindness to us, which should result in, in thanksgiving. But uh, even, even that, right, our life of faith um, as we walk, um, God's loyal kindness is shown to us again and again and again and again and again in an ongoing way. Why? Because he has a covenantal relationship with us. There is a committed kindness to us who are in Christ. Those who fear him, those who trust him, um, God shows committed kindness. Um, you know, if you think of, uh, it's similar to grace, right? Um, that doesn't mean you get to abuse it, right? Um, because we see examples in the Old Testament that you abuse God's loyal kindness, you abuse God's grace, um, then uh, there's punishment for that, right? Or the flip side, because God has shown us loyal kindness, that there's, a, there's an expected reciprocal action of showing loyalty and love and praise to God himself in obedience. So, yeah. Any other thoughts, God's, or questions on God's loyal kindness? Okay, well, let us end there, and then we'll move on next week to the next term in Exodus 34, 6, and 7, and um, let's prepare our hearts for worship. Father, we thank you for your loyal kindness. We thank you that your son also is full of loyal kindness that he has demonstrated to us. Uh, all three of, uh, persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you've demonstrated to us loyal kindness, and you do so again and again in spite of our foolishness, in spite of our sinfulness. Um, but Lord, um, you seek not only to show us that kindness, but then to move us to praise of you to move us to enjoyment of you, to move us to uh, loyalty to you and obedience to you and allegiance to you. Lord, we thank you. Uh, but Lord, help us to be that people. Help us to be the people you want us to be. Um, Lord, manifesting and responding rightly to the massive loyal kindness that you've shown to us. So we pray as we enter the gathering this morning, as we sing your praises, as we pray to you as we hear the word preached. Um, Lord, all of the ways in which we are um, seeking to honor you in our gathering, we pray that you would, you would empower those, um, that you would help us to see you, to love you, to delight in you. Um, we just ask these things and thank you for this morning in Christ's name. Amen.